Welcome, fantasy book lovers, to another episode of Phantology Podcast. This is going to be the second of our two-part recap of The Shadow of What Was Lost by James Eilington. I have Thomas from New York City on the line with me today to break down our spoiler recap. Thomas, tell us something interesting. Tell us what you had for dinner tonight. Tonight, I had some samosas and some Indian food. Delicious. Sounds fantastic. You sound like you're ready to break down the book with me. Yeah, I'm excited to be on the show. Okay, so before we get started with our actual breakdown, we wanted to get Thomas's recap to our first podcast that I did with Ben just a few days ago. That was our non-spoiler podcast where we went through and actually talked about some opinions on the book, what we liked, what we didn't like. And I'm guessing Thomas has some opinions as well. So I wanted to get his takes. Yes, Stephen, I I thought you guys did a great job breaking that down and uh, with minimal spoilers, no no real big spoilers. I I like the name rant where you guys were talking about how the names are difficult to pronounce. And uh, on top of that, not only are they difficult to pronounce, but there's multiple names for each character. So that that also got confusing, but it's kind of fun. yeah, it's just a little excessive with the names. I'm glad you agree. Yeah. I would rate the book a bit higher for violence than you guys rated it. I think there are, the violence throughout is pretty low, but there are a few that are pretty violent. Yeah, now that we're going to actually recap with spoilers, we can get, go into that. Why don't you just point those out when we actually go into it? But yeah, now that you, I, you mentioned this to me a couple of days ago, and I agree, there are some moments that now stand out to me as, as being more violent. So I think Ben only gave it like a 6 out of 10. But to be fair, he had just come from reading some Joe Abercrombie books that are like excessively over-the-top violent. So I think that's maybe where his mindset Yeah, it, Yeah, it depends on your perspective. Okay, so let's actually jump into our recap of the book. What we're going to do is we took the text of book one, the book one recap that is printed in book two, The Echo of Things to Come. So the author actually wrote out, this is really nice, I wish more authors did this, but he wrote out a long recap of the first book. So we have that text here. We're not going to read you that because you can read that on your own, but we're going to go through, uh, we are going to recap what's happening in our own words and give you some, uh, some of our takes, what we liked, what we didn't like. Um, I have a few opinions. I think Thomas has a few opinions. And then we also have some trivia, exciting. So uh, every now and then we'll stop and ask each other some questions and see how much we actually remember of the book. So we'll, we'll see how we did. So I'll get us started here. We're going to actually start with a recap of what's, what's happening before the text of the book started. So this is in the past. So as the book picks up, uh, it says 2000 years ago, the boundary was created. And that's like the northern, uh, this shield of energy is what we understand through the first book. We, we're at, we are going to be careful to not give spoilers for the second book. So Thomas, make sure you don't say anything. There's a lot of these things that um, some details are revealed in the first book, but more are revealed in the second book. So we only want to stick to first book things. Anyway, so the boundary is this uh, mysterious energy shield type thing that we believe is a prison for Arcane Devade, who is this kind of like mythical evil figure. I've seen a lot of reviews where he's compared to Darth Vader actually. So he's kind of this like terrifying unknown guy who has done these bad things in the past. But at the current moment, people aren't really sure if he still exists or not or what's going on with him. Um, so, so that boundary is in place. 
And there was this other race of people called the Dorisians who were a powerful race. They ruled Andara, which is the name of the, the country um, during the time that Arcane Devade came in and everything. But so the Dorisians are gone now, but their legacy still permeates uh, the country society. So after the Dorisians were kicked out and destroyed and the Arcane Devade thing died down, the Augurs emerged. These are a group of people who came a magical power called Khan, which is one of the two types of magic. The other types of magic users are the gifted, and the gifted can manipulate essence, which is basically the life force that exists in everyone. Uh, the augurs can manipulate Khan, which is this like other energy that can then in turn manipulate essence. So augurs are more powerful than gifted. Um, I kind of picture like augurs being able to do anything that gifted can as well. And so then this, so this society started and was in place for a few hundred years. And then as we get more up into the timeline of the actual book starting, everything changed because the augurs' visions, which is one of their powers, stopped working. And the augurs withdrew from society. At the same time, a lot of unrest in Andara started. And a, a rebellion actually took place, instigated by Duke Andrus, who is a key character in the book as well. So he starts a rebellion, they kill all the augurs, and they subject the remaining gifted to what they call tenants, which are these, uh, I guess, stipulations of a treaty that is signed with the regular people, the, the non-gifted people. So the gifted that remain have to, uh, have to abide by these magical rules and they're forced to obey commoners who can now become administrators. And that is, I guess that kind of takes us up to the beginning of the book. So the, the gifted have been suppressed, but they're still, you know, a, a powerful force in society. And that was a pretty big info dump, but that'll take us up into the present. So let's try to be more fluid from this point. Um, Thomas, what, were, what did you think about kind of the backstory of the book? I was kind of confused how the gifted were able to be subjugated. I'm not sure if there were just fewer of them, but it seemed like with all of their power, they should have been the ones that came out on top. We don't know a lot of details yet about exactly how that went down. That was kind of just one of the things that I thought about. Yeah, that is kind of unclear. They never really cleared that up. We do know, I mean, full spoilers here. So I believe his name is Siner was one of the augurs who turned against the other augurs and killed a lot of them. And I think there was just a lot of unrest. They really never go into the actual, like all of the plot points that led up to the rebellion being successful. But yeah, that is one thing that I was going to point out was the actual success of the rebellion and the tenants being formed and everything isn't really super clear. It's kind of just like, oh, this happened and this. Yeah, I don't know if I'm totally buying that it exactly how it went. It seems like the non-magical people did really well for them. Yeah, and if it really was a treaty, it the gifted sure got the the short end there. This seems like uh, I'm surprised they agreed to the stipulation. They're pretty handcuffed. Yeah, it said they had held out for five years in the tolls, which is like their magical compounds. I'm kind of wondering why didn't they just come out and start actually fighting? They just gave up, basically. I I don't know. They're pretty powerful in the book, so it seems strange that they were subjugated so easily. Maybe we'll learn more about that. Yeah, maybe maybe that'll be something that we get more of in the third book. I don't remember if there's much in the second book. So why don't you kind of take us 
into the beginning of the actual storyline. The book actually starts off with this flashback. There's a character who's running from this dark lord figure, and he's in this, he's next to this pool or this well, and he says something interesting that I wanted to keep tabs on to see how um, these play out or if we get more information, but he says that he, he asked the lift these questions, he tortured the app and looked into the mirror and found out that L is false. And I thought that that bit of him might be key later on in some of the other. Yeah, I really liked the beginning. I like when these epic fantasies start with kind of the prelude scene. It's like at the beginning of Wheel of Time when it starts with Luz Theron and he's, he's doing the um, kind of backstory when Luz Theron destroys everything and the breaking of the world. So it's a little similar to that as, as it's a prelude to the actual story. I like, I also kind of kept tabs on a few of those things. And it's cool because as you get into the second book, more of the things that they say in this prelude come to light. We're not going to spoil those now. But the very end of the second book ties back to the prelude of the first book in a really cool way, a uh, really kind of startling way. So that was one thing. And then the, even the end of this book also ties into that when you learn that Caden and Talcumar and Arcane Devade are all the same person and he's erased his memories in order to claim Lycanius and this obviously leads into future events but um, this prelude set up the series really well. And then there's another short flashback of somebody cutting themselves and lots of people screaming and blood and then Davian wakes up. He's in the school and we get to know that he just recently became a gift after a traumatic event. And the gift, the gift shows up after someone uses enough essence and then they get this mark on their skin. And so this happened to Davian. And I, I actually kind of wanted a little bit more of them in the school, but it quickly moves beyond that where there's plot about Davian, he can't use his powers, he's gonna fail the test. He learns this this elder wants him to take this box to the bound or start heading north. And he says that, you know, fate will find him on the way. He'll figure things out. He just has to start heading north with this box. And he ends up leaving the school with his friend Weir. And they they leave the school right before the night that the toll was attacked by the Chatech. Everyone was Killed. You kind of learn that a bit later. Everyone was killed besides his friend slash love interest. Yeah, I agree. I kind of wanted a little more in the school as well. I was a little conflicted there because I really like fantasy settings in schools. Like Name of the Wind is one of my favorite books. And I love just the university setting, maybe just because I'm a nerd and I like school. But it was also kind of nice to get out of the school and go into a different type of adventure. So it quickly became this adventure, like Lord of the Rings style, similar to first book of Wheel of Time, where they're on the run right away. I was a little unclear as to who was attacking the school until much later. I guess that's by design, but I think it, it, it was the Shateth, right? And, and the, the elder came in and he was controlling them because, um, you know, I don't even remember exactly why. I think it had something to do with Talcomar actually had Ilseth, yeah, that's right, Talcomar gave Ilseth the, the box to give to Davian, to give back to himself afterwards. And that was a little convoluted for me. I didn't quite pick up on everything clearly. 
Um, here, here's a trivia question for you. What was the name of the elder who came in and told Davian to leave? The elder was Ilseth Tenevar. Correct. Yes. Okay, so after this all goes down, so Asha wakes up, everyone has been slaughtered. I guess that might be a, a violence in rating. We might want to increase the violence rating because of this. Um, so she, everyone's been slaughtered, and she gets tricked by Ilseth again, who turns her into a shadow, which is the process of depriving someone of their, depriving a gifted of their magical abilities and basically making them into a shell of themselves. And it also erases her memory. So she's been like seriously crippled right away. We're barely learning this character. And all of a sudden she has had some terrible stuff happen to her. In the meantime, Davian and Weir, uh, Weir is his buddy's best friend, are headed off to follow where the box is taking them. All they know is that this box is significant and they've got to go. So off they go. Uh, they meet up with some hunters who are people who are, are paid to track down rogue gifted because part of the tenants, the gifted can't just be wandering around without these devices called shackles that control their magical abilities. So they meet up with uh, some hunters and they actually, one of them helps them mysteriously and says that they owe, they owe thank, uh, her thanks to Talkmar, who we know now is Caden slash Arcane Devade. Uh, here's another trivia question for you. What is the name? So the hunter's name is Brashada. What is the name of the magical sword that she has? What is Whisper? Ooh, correct. Okay, I wasn't sure if you'd get that one. So yeah, so she has this one of these magical swords. We learn more about these in the second book, but I honestly do not remember why she has the sword or how she met up with Talkmar. Maybe that is going to become more clear. But uh, this kind of seemed this seemed a little random. Like the author was really committed to dropping all of these things that were going to come together and a lot of it does but I, th I felt like it's almost too much sometimes you're trying to keep all of these things together and it, every time I read it when I read a book if there's something that doesn't quite add up I try to just catalog that in the back of my brain and think okay eventually this is going to make sense and I just felt in this book there were a lot of those types of things and I don't know if I remembered every whisper reminds me a lot of the the awakened sword from uh the cosmere sword yeah the cosmere <laughs> couldn't think of it what is nightblood very good yes yeah a little bit because i don't remember exactly i mean it doesn't talk to you the awakened swords in this in this series don't actually talk but they do have these kind of it seems like they are sentient to some degree almost yeah and the way when she pulls it out it it dims the light or the sound and kind of is invincible like it just whatever sword comes against it oh and it kills them right away like a scratch is enough to kill right which is the same as nightblood because nightblood drains away the investiture of the person right yeah and this this blade does something similar so davian and weir they're saved they're saved by brishada and they have to get out of dodge quickly because they've just killed or brishada has i think there's another moment where they davian actually kills a one or two people there's like a gambling scene where they're trying to get money and davian starts to use his auger powers and then grabs someone's sword slows down time or something and just kills them and they hightail it out of there so events are kind of spiraling out of control really fast eventually they meet a smuggler who agrees to take them across the river to the bordering country 
where they're still just heading north following this cube. They have a scuffle with the with the the people that smuggling them across. And again, Davian uses his Zogger abilities to wipe the memory of of them so that they can get away. Although he doesn't know it at the time. So it's I like this sequence where Davian is discovering his abilities slowly and then later on all is revealed to us. But it's always kind of fun to see someone discovering their magical abilities. They don't really know what's going on, but they can do these cool things. I, I like those moments in fantasy books. Yeah, that is that is cool to see how they how they learn to use their magic. The this might be jumping ahead too much, but I when Davian does learn how to use his auger abilities, it kind of goes a bit. It skips ahead. It goes fast at that point. I feel like he learns them a bit quickly. It's like he goes from zero to hero super. Yeah, I felt the same way. They offer a little bit of an explanation there. So this is yeah, this is skipping ahead a little bit, but at this point, Malshash is tutoring him and towards the end of their time together as i am starting to wonder like wait he's learning this really fast there's this like one paragraph one paragraph blurb where he says oh by the way i made it i I was controlling you so that you wouldn't have to sleep and you could learn all this stuff really fast and davian's Mm -hmm. like what you did that to me and he's like yeah and everyone's like oh okay thanks that's a good, yeah, that's a uh, nice game. I forgot that that happened. That was I mean, I'm not saying I like it. I, I think it's a little bit of a cop-out, but yeah, that's, that's how he explains it. Okay. So back to where we were at. So that they navigate some more dangers, and eventually they get into Desriel, which is this neighboring country where basically anyone who can use the Manipulate Essence, any gifted or augers at all, are just immediately killed. Desriel are these fanatics who... I don't really know exactly, maybe I can't remember why they are this way, but they do not like Gifted for sure. Uh, This culminates in one of my favorite scenes from the book where they come across Caden for the first time. They've heard rumors of a slaughter at a village and a dangerous Gifted who doesn't have the mark, who is being transported. They actually make it. They come across the band of soldiers that is guarding Caden and taking him to be executed. And lo and behold, the box points them to go towards him because, of course, Caden is the one who set that up back when he had his memories. So they break in, they free Caden. He recovers really quickly. And then uh, I don't remember exactly what happens, but a Shateth arrives at the scene. I picture Shateth as basically Ringwraiths. Ringwraiths, yeah. Yeah, there's really no difference. There's more about them, again, in the second book. I don't remember what that is exactly, because I'm not the one reread there. But yeah, they're, they're ring race slash fades. Or the, guy, the guys from Aragon. Oh, yeah. What are those guys' names? That would be a good trivia question. I can't remember. Yeah. It's like every fantasy book has to have these mysterious, cloaked, black-hooded people who have discarded all connections to mortal life and are just evil. So Caden has a bit of a showdown with the Shateth. He uses a lot of essence, like a very startling amount. So like, holy cow, this guy is really powerful. And then he faints. And then I think they're about to be captured. And then this other elder, this rogue gifted elder, arrives at the scene and teleports them away through use of a vessel. Vessels are magical essence containing things. So he teleports them away and everyone is safe once again. Um, Thomas, did you like this part this is one of my favorite parts yeah i I like when they first meet because there's a bit of mystery surrounding him we don't know if he killed this village or not and 
there's a lot of essence being used and at a scale we haven't seen before. And so yeah, a lot of the things that we've just had hinted at are really kind of culminating here. Um, kind of slows down a little bit after this. So tell us where we're going from here. It looks like, uh, and by the way, this book is always switching between viewpoints. So at this point, we go back to Asha for a little bit. I think it's worth noting also that Terrasar, they know that he has been banned because of what he did in the past. And we're not 100% sure what he did in the past, but we know that he saved Davian from a group of trying to harass him. And he saved Davian and he killed the people that's, that were harassing Davian. And so he's been banned. And he's on the run. He's like a wanted criminal. Although later on we learn that in fact he did not kill them. Davian did by, I mean, not intentionally, but to protect himself. So Terrace actually arranged for this to arrange for Davian to get beat up by these guys in order for Davian's auger abilities to come out. And later on, when Davian meets up with a couple other augers, they further reveal that Terrace may have something to do with Davian's actual origins. Because in this book, and even into the second book, we don't know really where Davian came from. We don't know who his parents are. He's just his auger that has showed up on the scene and who knows what his origin story is. So I'm, I'm assuming that will come out. It's, it's got to come out of book three, right? Yeah, we'll, we'll get the answer to that in book three. Can't wait. Oh, then there's one, there's one last scene with this group where after they've been saved by Terrasar and Caden, they're, they're waiting in an inn and the Shateth comes again. He finds them again. And Caden puts a shackle onto, onto the Shateth, which ends up killing the Shateth. And a shackle is, is something that they could put on to render them from any And the Shateth also speaks with Caden, right? And so, and, and Caden's able to understand this old, I believe it's the Darisian language. So we're reading this like, okay, there's a lot going on here. Caden is obviously, he knows some stuff. We don't know who he is, but he's, he's important. So Asha, Asha is back at the toll and she becomes the, she becomes the representative for the toll. Yeah, I don't remember exactly how that went down. I believe there were some politics that were a little uninteresting, but yeah, she becomes the representative of the toll to the royal court, right? So she's the go-between between the magic users and the administrators slash regular people in the capital of Andara called Elinalon. Yeah, thank you. That's right. So she's at Elinalon and she meets with the other shadows, a group of a bunch of shadows that are underneath Elinalon. And they live in this area where no one can survive because there's a giant conduit of, of pure essence. And so no one else who, who, who's not a shadow can enter this area. So the shadows are able to live down here peacefully and out of everyone's constant badgering everyone doesn't like the shadows so they're just able to do their own thing and she enters into this agreement agreement with the leader of the shadows called the shadrahim and the agreement is basically that she will give information to the shadrahim about what's going on with the north warden is that correct yeah so she's playing both sides right so the North Warden is Duke Elosian Andrus, who we then come to find out is actually Weir's father. So Weir is in fact the crown prince of the of the of the kingdom. Um, 
but he's been masquerading as just a regular person with friends with Davian, gifted person but no he's in fact the prince it's kind of funny it's like every single character except for asha actually every other character has this reality that we don't get to see until you know pages in there's lots of twists i, I kind of like it but yeah so asha asha's playing both sides she likes elosian she wants to be a part of that but she's also she she pities the shadows a little bit and she's one of them so she wants to help them out, but she's not really sure about the Shadrahin. And Siner is, I believe, the person who is masquerading as the Shadrahin. I don't remember exactly what goes down there, but I know that Siner is, in fact, an auger from before the war, although it's not clear to me how he is a shadow as well. I don't know if that is ever explained. Maybe later on. Definitely not in this book. Right. She thinks Siner is the Shadrahin at first. And then she figures out that the Shah Jaheen is actually this other woman. Honestly, Asha's part here was not super interesting to me. It's just kind of a lot of politicking and the stakes don't seem super high. And I'm not familiar with too many of the characters and they don't seem to be too significant. So I, while I like Asha, I think she's a cool character. The fact that she's made a shadow and is still able to do a bunch of cool things. Uh, I didn't really love her parts. They were a little less interesting. Yeah, I got a little bored with all the politics. And I agree, Asha is a cool character. I like that the author didn't make her a damsel in distress character. She has uh, weight and bearing and she's able to uh, push a lot. Yeah, I was a little critical of the characters in the book in general, like the characterization in our previous podcast with Ben. And I, I said that they were a little wooden and didn't have a whole lot of depth to them. I still kind of feel that way. But actually, after looking into it a little more, I... Maybe I disagree with my opinion. Maybe it might have been a little strong. Um, however, I do think that like there's not a whole lot of difference between Weir and Davy, and those two especially. They're both super smart. They're both able to solve every problem. They're both great magic users. But Asha, I thought, was one of the better characters. Yeah, I had to, at one point when I was reading them, I had to write down who Davian was and who Weir was because I kept getting them mixed up, same problem. And that's not great since these are like the two main characters of this series. So that's, that's probably not a great sign for the, the level of characterization. So we can kind of skip through Ash's parts a little bit since we both agree they're not all that interesting or impactful. Eventually they, so if we go back to Davian, Weir, and Caden and Terrace now. So they are in, uh, in that country that is hostile to gifted. They need to escape, obviously, and Karis thinks they need to restore Caden's memories, so he thinks they need to go back to Elinalon. This is a little murky to me. Like, they're in Desriel, and they're just on this travel journey, and they're kind of being pushed along by opinions of characters. Like, this decision to go to Elinalon seems pretty big, but they just kind of go along with it. Like, okay, Terrace, we've never met you before, but sure, let's go ahead and go. Um, maybe they just don't have a whole lot of choices. But anyway, so they decide they need to go to Linalon. Unfortunately, there are some obstacles. They're in in uh, Desriel, so it's hard to get out, first of all. So they have, they're forced to go to Dylanus, which is your typical mysterious abandoned city. This is basically Shadar Logoth. It's misty. The Sheteth won't go in because they're scared. Uh, I think there's some res- there's some restrictions on using the power right like they can't access essence when they're there or no if they do then it's very dangerous so this is a little 
I don't know. It's, it's a little lazy here. It, this seems like it's just smack out of a bunch of other fantasy stories. But nonetheless, it does lead into some of the more interesting parts of the story because eventually the group gets separated, of course, because that's what happens in every mysterious abandoned city. And Davian gets sucked back through time. So he goes back in time like 50 years and he wakes up with this mysterious guy called Malshash who teaches him how to manipulate Khan and be an auger. We talked about this already. This is really where the book kind of got cool for me because just the idea of time travel in a fantasy setting, you see it a little bit, but not a whole lot. And this really expands the story and the plot for me because it goes from this travel log type journey to all of a sudden we are dealing with uh, you know generations of characters and they're bouncing back and forth. There's one scene where Davian appears to Asha like in the future warning her about something else. So this is really where you have to keep track of where everyone is and who said what and what the different hints and clues are. But I, I love that stuff. So this is really where things got cool for me. What do you think, Thomas? Definitely. This story really got more interesting for me when it was a very point A to point B type plot. Now we have this time travel thrown in the mix. And I, and I think it'll be really important. This, what happens here, I think it'll be more important uh, in the next book and also in the, the last one. Yeah, there were a lot of little nuggets here with Mal Shash, who we know is actually Caden slash Talcumar slash Arcane Devade. So how many more names is this guy going to get? He's already got four. <laughs> there was a really interesting part where he learns how to change his appearance using Khan and Malchas warns him against doing this. He says it's very dangerous. And he, he's trying to think of who he should turn into. And he, said, and he thinks, I'll just turn into my friend Weir. So he, he does that. It's very painful. But he manages, manages to do it. And he looks at himself in the mirror. And it doesn't look anything like Weir, apparently. And so he's super confused. And then when Malshash comes in and sees Weir's or Davian's new form, He's super confused and, and uh, he's angry and kind of scared. And he's like, who is this? Like, who did you change into? And he's like, I changed into my friend Weir. And apparently you can only change into somebody that you've seen and somebody that's died. And so we're, I'm kind of curious what, what this is all about. Yeah, I definitely noted that as well. I mean, we know Davian has gone through time and there's some interesting things about him. But yeah, who is this person and why is it so alarming to... Talcumar. It, it must be somewhat significant. I thought about trying to remember the description of the person and comparing it to other people we see in the book. Maybe there's, maybe they figured this out on Reddit already. I'll have to check and see, but <laughs> I'm sure it'll come out in the third book. Yeah, the way it was described, he looks like an E character or, or a bad character. And I hope this isn't true, but I wonder if Weir takes a turn for the worst in the third book during time traveling or whatever i wonder if he goes down the dark side but i guess it would have to be in such a way that his appearance is distorted enough where davian doesn't even recognize yeah true i wouldn't know how that happened how that happened yeah that that was that was a curious moment for sure okay here's a trivia question for you what is the name given to so there's this great library in dylanis and there is a vessel there that allows you to find information of any kind it's basically google is there in the library and you can think about whatever you want and it will point it will point out the book that you're looking for so what's the name of this vessel what is the tributary Mm. no the tributary is incorrect that's actually a spoiler for the second books not really but the tributaries are things in the second book 
The answer is the advisor. Oh, right. That was a tough one. No worries. Okay, so I know that you had some, you wanted to talk about one of the bigger moments in Dylanis with Malshash, where Davian breaks into his memories and sees Malshash's past uh, at, at his wife's, at, well, when his wife is killed at their wedding, because this is a definite violence intensifier. Yeah, this is an important memory. It's one of the earliest ones for Caden. He's almost 3,000 years old or something. But this is one of the earlier ones. This is before he turned to our kind of age. And he's the happiest man. He's about to get married to this beautiful woman. And during the wedding, she's mysteriously killed. She goes off for some reason we don't know of, and she's killed. And we don't know, we don't know why she's But he's grief-stricken, and he tries to heal her. And he starts pulling in the, the life sense, the essence from every living thing around him, even the, all of his friends and family who are at the wedding. This is a really tragic event where taking all of the essence from everyone, pouring it into his wife, Eliavia, is her name? Eliavia, yes. So Davian sees this and Malshash gets super angry with him and says, you have to leave now. So Davian has to leave. But turns out his connection to the past is Fritzy anyway. He can only stay in the past for so long. And there's a there's like a fragment of him left in the in his original timeline. So he's got to go back anyway. Okay, trivia question. What, what does Malshash do to send him back? There is an object that he destroys that triggers him being sent back. What is that object? He destroys a ring. And at the time, Davian doesn't know where this ring come, came from. And follow-up trivia question, where did the ring come from? Do we know that in the first book? Yes, at the very end of the first book. Okay, so it comes from Asha. Yeah, and I don't remember why she gives it to him, but just at the very end of the book, she hands him the ring and Davian's like, holy cow, this is the ring that I had back in, you know, 100 years ago when I was with Malshat. That's kind of fun. Little little thing at the end to teach. So now that Davian gets sent back to the present, just some loose ends. So Weir and company, Caden and Terrace, think that Davian is dead. So they're kind of grieving, but continuing on to Alinalan. Asha is there in Alinalan still doing her politicking stuff. And at the same time, they're hearing rumors of this force called the Blind, who are these really powerful warriors who have helmets that don't have eye sockets, so they're called the Blind, obviously. And they are coming to Alinalan for unknown reasons. They are basically pillaging through the countryside. No one at Alinalan is taking it very seriously. They've sent a force out of regular soldiers thinking that they'll just take them down because there are not a whole lot of the Blind, maybe like a thousand or two. Uh, but obviously that's, I mean, anyone reading the book is going to know this is not going to work. It's strongly hinted that the blind are supernaturally powerful. The, our group of Weir, Caden, and Terrace come across a village that the blind has destroyed. They run into some people that they believe are survivors, but are actually Echoes, which are people who have basically been killed and then brought back and are being controlled. So they're basically zombies and they try to kill them and they, they get a jump on them. But they're, I believe, protected by their friends. Oh, yeah, they, they join up with a couple of random characters. They join up with the swordsman and his sister. The sister is Weir's love interest. Her name is Dizia. What is the swordsman's name? I don't remember. Do you remember, Thomas? No. Dang. That's all right. He's just kind of an obnoxious character that 
is becomes jealous of the princess. So down the road, Caden and Caroline, who is the princess of Alinalon and Weir's cousin, start to hit it off. And uh, yeah, I don't remember the dude's name, but uh, he's not that cool of a character. Just kind of a jerk. So Thomas, take us up to it. So we've kind of got to the point where these plot threads are starting to come back together. Eventually, they are all coming up to Alinalon as the blind are coming up behind them. And give us a few more plot points once this happens. Okay. Asha, she's also met three augurs who they are incognito. They're staying under the radar. They're working with, with the Duke, with uh, the, the North Warden. And their names are Fessy, Aaron, and Cole. Here's another trivia question. So out of those three augurs, we know that at the end of the book, the North Warden, Elosian, has actually been being, he, he's been controlled by one of the augurs to be more friendly to the gifted because before he was controlled, he was very much like kill all the gifted, kill the augurs. Weir was a gifted. He starts to manifest the gift. Elosian is basically going to kill his son. So and one of the augurs comes and starts to control him and is the reason why Asha has such a great time there to Lin and Lon and, be, and becomes the representative and everything. So which one of those three augurs that you just mentioned is the one that ends up controlling him. I think Cole is... No, incorrect. Cole is killed at the end of this book. Aaron is the, is the one who, was con- who had been controlling the North Warden. That's right. I, I have trivia for you. Bring it on. They've all had visions of how they died. Do you know what those visions were? I know that they talked about having visions of... Cole definitely had visions of when he dies and he, he dies at the end of this book. And he's like in a dark room with a bunch of blood and there was some random soldier guy involved as well, but I don't remember any more specifics. Of- That's right, yeah. Cole sees himself being stabbed by one of the generals. And- Siner kills him, right? Is Siner controlling someone else? I guess I don't remember all the details. Somehow a lot of the soldiers were made into shadows. Not shadows, echoes. They were made into echoes, so they were being And so when the blind attacked this, a lot of the soldiers who are echoes start turning on the others. That's right. Now here they are, the the blind are advancing on the city as all our characters meet up and have a quick reunion. So everyone's happy real quick. Oh, Damien's alive, Ash is alive, Weir's alive. And they kind of all reveal what's happened to them. It's it's a little funny to me because they're all meeting up and explaining what had just happened. And But it's so quick that there's a lot of emotions happening really quickly, and I feel like it might be a little sloppy with the writing, but I don't know. It's kind of fun. They're all teenagers. So yeah, I think this this ending happens pretty abruptly. Suddenly, they're all together, and at the same time, this giant army is. I was kind of like, wait, what? Did I miss something? But it, it just seems like it all kind of comes together really quick. Yeah, and the blind come out of nowhere. There is one scene where the blind are there with their commander guy, and they're rallying to go take back their land and everything but it doesn't really ever hit on that again i don't love it when you read a book and you don't get much of a viewpoint into the evil people because then they just become this mindless evil force i like more of the the gray characters where even the evil people have motivation but the blind just seem to be pure incarnations of evil being controlled by some i don't know at this point we don't even know what they're controlled by we get more of that in the second book, and I'm assuming into the third, but it, it does happen very suddenly. Yeah, during this 
vignette, they they are talking about getting revenge for something. So I think in their minds they have some reason for attacking the city. They want revenge, but it's not clear what they're what they're avenging. Okay, so I guess at this point we are ready for the battle to start. So Weir and Davian help to start fights. Um, Asha has also discovered that shadows can use the vessels, which are the essence-powered weapons and other devices. So she gets the shadows to start fighting as well, and they push back the blind a little bit. At the same time, Caden and Caden and Taris go to the Toll, the, the gifted uh, where the gifted have all of their vessels stockpiled, and they are able to. There, there's some politicking here that happens as well, but eventually Caden is able to get in can get in touch with this memory restoring thing, and he he touches the box. Actually, he never does really get into the memory thing. I, what was really the point of that? I guess I, they must have missed out on that, or that was a red herring but he touches the box he a firing a fiery portal appears and he jumps through and disappears and we kind of pause on his story for a second and we go back to them fighting the blind so they are fighting in this valley that leads up to the actual city they are fighting on what they call these shields which are these outcropping defenses so trivia question thomas how many shields are there Mm, were there three Yes, I'm like 90% sure there's three. I forgot to mention the rest of the trivia answer. So Fessy, she sees that she's in this black city and she's being chased by these giant wolf hounds who end up biting her. So that's one of her visions. And Aaron has a vision of himself getting hanged as well. So those are two visions that I, I want to keep my eye out, my eye on for the next book. So Caden, he, he has this relationship with the princess, they kind of become friends. There's a little bit of chemistry going on there. And Caden also, he has this flashback where he meets one of his old friends from his past life named Ilaris. And Ilaris tells Caden to go meet somebody, I forget his name, but he's like, this vision is gonna end soon. Oh, it's called the Dokin. The Dokin is this fake place where you go and it's like a mind palace from Sherlock, right? There you go. I think it was just like this imaginary land. Yeah, so somehow he gets in touch with Alaris through the Dokin. I don't remember exactly how that happens, but yeah, he gets this warning or, or task to go seek out this merchant whose name is Haberin Das. Don't know how I remember that, but wish you'd ask me that in trivia because I nailed it. So he's supposed to seek him out and he will provide him with further answers, but it doesn't work out, right? Right. It, it's an ambush. He gets set up. They try to kill him. He ends up killing them. He runs away. So yeah, he, he ends up saving Caroline because Caroline went after him to see where he was going. He wasn't supposed to palace grounds, but he does. And so that's how they kind of have this because here, I have a trivia question for you, Stephen. Okay. What symbol is on the box? The wolf. The wolf head. That's right? right. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's like his his symbol for some reason. I don't think he ever really has a connection, like an animal connection. Would have been cool, but yeah, the wolf head. Talakamara likes that one. Yeah, and I'm wondering if it's related to these wolves, these giant wolves that Fessy sees in one of her visions. We'll watch for that in future books. So tell us what happens with. So we know Caden has jumped through. He's touched the box. Finally, he's jumped through the fiery portal. And he goes into this 
other land called Res Kartha, where he meets up with the Lith, who is, this is really just kind of out of nowhere for me. We haven't heard of these Lith guys before, but it is fairly significant because this is finally where the, like, the sword, Lycanius, which the whole trilogy is named after, finally comes into contact with Lycanius. Uh, tell us what exactly is going on here, Thomas. Okay, so he, he transports or to Rescartha. He meets this Lith named Geridus, if I'm not mistaken. And the Lith are these creatures completely made of essence. And they're super red, fiery beings. And so Geridus, he's guarding, he's guarding Lycanius and says that nobody seeking to take Lycanius can take Lycanius. And so, boom, we understand why Caden's memories have been washed now. That's the way he was able to get past this, this stipulation. So he doesn't know that he's there to take the sword. So therefore, Geridus is able to allow him to take the sword and gives him the sword. With the stipulation, right? Yeah, he has a year and one day to figure out a way to, to let the, the other Liths free. They're all stuck there. For, so he has a year and a day to figure a way to get them out. And I don't remember this, but what happens if he doesn't do it in a year and a day? If he's unable to do it, then they get the sword and they get to use it for its original purpose that we don't know, but it sounds ominous. Oh, right. Okay. And we, we find out what that is in the next book. And I'm assuming we'll find more out about the list. So this is really, yeah, yeah. We, we really don't know many details about this, but Caden gets the sword and he comes back. He jumps through another portal, comes back to Alenalon, uses the Saves sword. The day. And yeah, and saves the day, right? The sword is incredibly powerful. The blind are also incredibly powerful. But Caden plus Lycanius is basically unstoppable. And yeah, he saves the city. So it's a nice, I think it's kind of a fun climax. There are several chapters of fighting back and forth. And they, you know, repel the blind and then the blind do something and come back. There's, it's a lot of like, we try this and it's successful, but oh no, here they come still. So, but eventually Caden comes in. It's kind of like the Helm's Deep battle where the blind are slowly advancing and then here comes Gandalf on the, on the morning of the sixth day, right? Is it the sixth yeah, day? Yeah, very Gandalf savior thing going on when Caden comes back with the sword and basically all of the blind, they just scream and shrivel up and run away. And yeah, so, so our heroes win and now we're just kind of into wrap-up mode. So a few loose ends. The North Warden has been killed, and now Weir is the new North Warden, which is significant because he can change the tenants since he is the North Warden and a gifted user. So he goes in and changes them and makes it so the gifted can defend themselves. So they previously they could only use Essence, like they couldn't use it to fight at all, but now they can use it in defense of themselves, which is nice. They probably always should do that. That's Weir's lot. Davian has met up with some other augurs. We didn't mention that, but he is going to go to Tol Shen, which is another magical fortress. Uh, and he's going to continue to look for ways to strengthen the boundary. So throughout the whole book, there's this like lurking presence of, oh, the boundary's failing, the boundary's failing. We don't really know what exactly is going on. We don't see the boundary, but we hear enough about it to know that it's significant and Davian's worried about it. So he's going to do the noble thing and go try to help the boundary. That's Davian's thing. Caden has jumped into another portal and he meets up with another auger who appears to be another old friend of his. His name's Asar. 
and they are going to get his memories back together. And at the very end of the book, Asar restores some of Caden's memory to the point where Caden remembers that when he woke up at the beginning of this book, he did in fact kill all the people in the town and he <sighs> is Arcane Devade. So I really, I mean, I don't like that he was killing people, but I do like the character quite a bit because there's so many layers to this guy. We get a lot more in the next book. The next book just expands upon the story so much. The first book is such a setup, but it does it in a nice way. And the next book, really, there's a lot of payoff. So we get a lot of backstory, thousands of years of backstory. We learn much more about Caden, Talcumar, Arcane Devade, Malshash, whatever you want to call him. And that's really satisfying. That's probably one of my more favorite parts of the of this trilogy thus far. Um, Thomas, any other loose ends that I missed here? I think you did a really good job finishing that up. Uh, one other thing, we didn't talk a lot about the Dark Gaithen, which were mentioned. The blind are wearing armor made of the Dark Gaithen scales, which absorb, which absorb essence or deflect it or something like it's. You can't use essence on their impervious to essence. Yeah, the Dark Gaithen, I believe they're described a little bit in this book. I picture them as these like snake-like men creatures that are. They're described as creations of arcane devade and you know terrors of of mankind i think terris claims to have seen one or found a scale or something and that's part of the reason why they think the boundary is failing yeah exactly he thinks that some of our kinds minions and evil creations are are able to the boundary somehow it's weak enough so a few of these things are being let in to wreak havoc okay well any other final words i think we've really hit on this book pretty well. My main takeaway for this book is kind of like what I said in the first podcast, really solid intro work to what I believe will be a really nice trilogy by the end. The writing wasn't always the greatest. The characters weren't always the greatest, but the plot was really cool and it really set itself up nicely for a sequel and the sequel delivers really well. I'm really enjoying my reread of the sequel. And once I'm finished, we will recap that one as well, hopefully in time for the third book, which is called The Light of All That Falls. Thomas, any final words? That, that wraps it up, Stephen. Thank you very much. That's awesome. I'm, I'm excited to see how Caden turns out in the future. I, I really hope he sticks on this the new path that he's trying to create for himself. Yeah, he's by far my favorite character. Way more depth than any of the other characters. And he's really interesting to read about in the second book. You just finished a reread of the second book, right? Yeah, I did it. It was hard for me. I'm trying not to say too much that will give away for the next the next book. It's hard for me to tease apart the yeah, the differences there. Yeah, definitely. I think I was able to keep you in check a couple of times I could tell you were you were starting to go into spoilers. But uh yeah, I don't think there were any book two spoilers. But we will do a recap of book two to get you ready for book three, The Light of All That Falls, coming out soon. So this is Stephen and Thomas from Pentology Pod. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you next time. See you guys.